three things came together towards the latter part of 2016. My career as a freelance broadcast journalist, which had spanned well over 30 years, had come to an end and I was now a pensioner, looking for something interesting to do that might just use some of that set of skills. Then the latest issue of the local newspaper, the Portobello Reporter, landed on the doormat with an ominous message on its front page, namely that this could be its last ever edition, unless it could find more volunteers. Now, I could have joined them, but writing for newspapers had never really been a comfortable part of my skill set, so I wondered if it might be an idea to create a podcast instead. Finally, I heard about a public meeting taking place just that week round the corner at St Philip's, now Portobello and Joppa Parish Church, which is being held to discuss whether the community could buy a now redundant church building in Belfield Street. So I picked up my recorder and microphone and simply turned up, nothing prearranged. And that was the first time we heard from Justin Kenrick. Suddenly this needed to happen or not happen, and of course what you got what you usually get, which is a few people saying something can happen, and everybody else saying no, it can't. Mostly because everybody's really busy doing their own stuff, and therefore they're aware of the amount of work that's going to be involved, and they're not necessarily able to commit to that. But a few of us got together at that point, in March it was, uh, to say what are we going to do about it, and then we called the meeting in April which was packed out. It was a small space, but it was over 70 people. It was packed out with real concern and, and passion and a lot of ideas. And from that, we then formed Friends of Belfield, a dozen of us, to carry it forward, with a lot of other people saying, we'll do bits and pieces. And it's a very resourceful community with people really able to step forward and make the press contacts or find the right people to do you know, different aspects. And then, and you now so, have something like 500 people involved in total? Yeah, I've got, got over 500 members now. That happened over four days, we got about 340 members, when we suddenly, we'd left it a bit late, as we do. This is all being done very fast, as well as we can, but over the time period. We've got a, a limited time, really, not just from the point of view of the church selling, but also the point of view of trying to secure Scottish land funding before the end of this financial year. So we've got a kind of two processes that we're, we're working within that both mean that we need to move quite fast. And so we got over 340 members within four days. And that reflects not us, but the community and the fact that the community is so willing to you know, take action and respond and tell their mates to take action and respond so that we've got the, got the backing we need. I found a suitable site on the internet to host and distribute this and future episodes, as well as creating special pages on Facebook and Twitter. And the Porty Podcast was born. Through the years, Belfield proved to be a constant theme, as Portobello, a rather action Porty, achieved a first-ever urban community buyout under the Scottish Government's Community Right to Buy programme. There was considerable relief when the keys were finally overed the following year, as we heard from another friend of Belfield, Alistair Cameron. It's been a lot of work, a lot of sitting around uh, the table, just getting to know one another because we formed a board of people who had come from all different bits of Portobello life, who some of us knew some of us, but nobody knew everybody. We had to find out what each other's skills were, what enthusiasms people had. We had to do that whole process of working out what it was the community wanted from this building. And at the beginning, there were huge numbers of ideas floating around as to what this building might be. And we had to, to winnow that out and decide, well, yeah, this would be great, but this is actually realistic. And this is what the community as a whole wants from this building. And a lot of that is just, we want the building to do what it had been doing before the church decided to sell it, to be a community resource. Well, I'm also joined by another board member, Kirsta MacDonald-Scott. Kirsta, we are now sitting, you can almost 
feel the atmosphere around us in the empty barn, <laughs> which was the church hall. Yeah. It's now yours. Yes. Quite a responsibility for it to be ours and to have the memories of using it and envision how it's going to be used here on in once we've done the work to raise funds to be able to do the work we need for yes, it to be used. Because that's a major problem. You, 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 you got the 600 and whatever yes. it was, thousand. Yeah. But you've got the day-to-day -day running of it. You've yeah. got to modify this space so that it's environmentally suitable for people to use. Yeah, absolutely. There's an awful lot of work still to do. Yes, there is. And the, the vision that we have is going to take five, six years. So we have that in mind. We know it's a bit of a long haul to get that ultimate vision. But in order to get it immediately up and running, we do need to do a few pieces of work as well so that we can open the doors come early next year. We haven't covered an awful lot of sport, apart from what we see out on the 4th. And in the nearly 20 years I've lived here, the level of activity out on the water has grown exponentially. Rowing, sailing, canoeing, paddleboarding and, of course, open water swimming. When I went along to meet members of the group known as The Wild Ones, over a thousand people had signed up to their Facebook page. They're keen to stress they're not a club, and interest in the sport has grown ever since. OK, so you've all managed to find The Wild Ones. We are a very informal group. I think to call it a club would be over-egging it. We're just a random um, chance meeting of people who happen to meet every half-past nine, every Sunday morning here, so you've got, you've got the right place. And you've probably all found the Facebook group because that's how you, you knew about it. About, what, 50 people have turned up? Some in wetsuits, others just in ordinary swimming costumes. They've been split into groups depending on their experience. The most experienced head off through the surf. The novices, known as splashers, stay close to the shore, but still getting fully immersed in the water. So what's the attraction of swimming in the sea? One of the founders of the Wild Ones, Una O'Brien, explained. I think it's just a different element. You're moving in a different element, and I love being in water and feeling water all around me, and I think a lot of people love that. The cold is obviously a big part of it if you do it in Scotland. And there is something very invigorating about cold. So it is cold getting in, but you do get used to it and you get used to learning how to deal with it. And the other thing I love, particularly swimming in Portobello where I live, is looking back at Portobello from the sea, which the rowers, um, you're a rower, but obviously the rowers get as well. But I think it's something about being out there and looking back really gives me a thrill every time. There's a thriving arts community in Portobello. For a while we had big things on the beach, which brought us everything from pyramids made from sandbags to the windsocks on the groins to the garden galleries and more. But it was only the arrival of Artwalk Porty which proved just how much talent there is here and also how much invention there is in changing our perception of art. Take the Bandstand project from 2018, which was a musical walking tour extending beyond Portobello, as curator Rosie Nether explained. The main focus of the project is where Portobello Bandstand was at the community garden space by John Street now. So we're going to have a performance there during the art walk. We've commissioned an artist to write a piece that's kind of split up into eight sections representing each bandstand space. 
lyrics have been written that I've written, actually, and the Portobello Choir has been recorded singing those pieces, and they'll be on an app. Everyone can go to each location and find that sound in the same way that I was describing, of discovering sound as you walk a park. Many of these places don't have bandstands anymore, so there'll be a post or a marker there for you to know you've arrived at where the bandstand was. So yeah. you'll get it on your mobile phone, through yeah, headphones yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you'll get the sound, you'll get the choir singing at that place. It's an intriguing way of getting people to move around town. All you get at each one is a loop snatch of sound like this. Oh, I do like to think of pleasures past. Oh, I do like to think of pleasures past. And then you move on to another place with another marker and another loop. On the seaside dip my toe. On the seaside dip my toe. Put them all together and you end up with the complete song. It'll be interesting to see how many folk actually do download the app and visit all eight of the sites. But the talent extends further than the visual arts. Portie is home to the BAFTA-winning actor Shauna MacDonald, star of the silver screen. And she's also behind Edinburgh Youth Theatre, now based at Belfield, and also the wonderful Portie Pantos. It's a cold, wet Friday night. We're in the main hall at Belfield, and rehearsals for the Portipanto are in full swing. The producer and director of the show, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, is actress Shauna MacDonald. A few weeks ago, she was on stage receiving a BAFTA. Tonight, she's trying to keep the choir made up of pupils from the local schools in order, at least those who turned up. Sean, it's quite a major change from being on the stage at BAFTA to being, you know, in rehearsals for the Porty Panto. It is a change, but I do love it. And actually, when you sort of scrape the shine away from any sort of ceremony, what is behind that is lots of hard work. So lots of rehearsal rooms are actually church halls, community centres, you know. So the, the hard slog of putting on a show, what I'm in at the moment, it feels familiar. But, of course, it's not, you know, in BAFTA land where you're all glitzed and glamoured up and accepting an award for an achievement. <laughs> We're in amongst the sawdust at the moment. There's a huge amount of musical talent here as well. Singers such as Mary Campbell, Rosie Nimmo and Sheila McQuirter joined by groups such as the Community Choir and the sheer joy of Fun Fiddle and the Big Busk. With shining eyes you'd run across sand at Portobello And the light played on the summer waves on Portobello's sand You'd work for hours building forts from sand at Portobello and you'd climb the wall and play dead man falls on Portobello sand. Your letter says you're heading for the burning sun. 
So much of this was brought to an abrupt halt by Covid, but that's also brought out a spirit of experimentation. Murray Campbell took her successful Kayleys online, attracting performers from all over the world. Local playwright Claire Wood started playing with productions on Zoom, and the Portobello Book Festival went on regardless, and indeed, as Joanne Baird told us, last year's online festival was more successful than they'd hoped for. We're absolutely delighted because for every single event we've had at least the number of people we would expect to have in a venue and in most cases we've had far, far more. Sometimes three or four times the number of people that we could either accommodate or that we would expect to be able to to come along. So we're absolutely delighted with how well it's been received. Were there any particularly notable ones which stood out that were really popular? There was a couple, the, the one with Leone Charlton, which was filmed, of course, on, on location up in Argyll, where uh, the star of the show was most definitely the horse, I think. Sorry, Leone. <laughs> but she was absolutely fascinating to listen to, and it was, it was great just to have that different perspective. Clearly, it would have been a bit tricky to have a horse coming into the library, but that's certainly been, that's been the most viewed event that we've had so far. And another one which was also filmed on location was the one with uh, Peter Ross, which was filmed in the Glasgow Necropolis for his book A Tomb with a View, an appropriate place to, to film it. I know we spoke about that before when we were talking about the upcoming events, so they've definitely been two that have been really, really well received. But most of the events, they've had 70, 80, 90 people viewing them, and as you know, that's a lot more than we would normally have in the library. So where do we go from here when the world finally finds some kind of equilibrium? There are still lots of porty stories to tell. There are lots of innovative ideas being discussed, perhaps a dedicated internet radio station for Portobello or a video channel. And there are other organisations and people out there that we know about but have never got round to covering, yet. And in one way the great circle of life has spun around, bringing us back to where we started, with a campaign to save one of the area's landmarks, the Town Hall, for the community. Jeff Pearson has been one of the many leading lights involved with Porty Central, which has high hopes for the future. What we've got is a high street which has a town hall of fairly grand style in the middle of it, dead. It could be lively. It could have its doors open at eight o'clock in the morning so that people could go in and have a gym session or a wrestling session at eight o'clock before going to work. It could then have things all day and then have a show or performance in the evening. It could be there all day, every day. I swim at the Commonwealth Pool in the morning. And one morning, a rather glamorous lady got in the water beside me 
with her rather glamorous her young man partner. And we introduced ourselves because when you meet at 5.30 in the morning in the pool, you do introduce yourselves. And it turns out they were cruise dancers and directors of shows. But because cruises have finished, their act, their style of doing stuff no longer has a venue. So Katie is quite interested in putting on shows of the cruise liner type, which is an old fashioned variety performance, really. Those kind of shows we've not had before, not, not in 40 years anyway, but those things could come back. So what for the Porty Podcast? As many of you know, there have been some quite long breaks between episodes because of health problems. It would really be great if more people could become involved. Or maybe the podcast could become a regular feature on an internet radio station, which some people, as we know, are now talking about. Who knows? But I do know that there are a lot of interesting and committed people out there who like to bring fun and joy to this community, as we saw with the Window Wonderland just before Christmas. And I hear there are some folk wanting to brighten up windows over Easter as well. So let's end by looking forward in the hope that we may just be able to meet for indoor and outdoor events by the summer, such as the great Bake Busk.